Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years experience with classic, vintage sport and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, Call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 1340. If you like golf, enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club, located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship par 72, plus another 9-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com. I was trying to explain to somebody a while back uh, the okie doke. Y'all know the okie doke? It's like when somebody's trying to bamboozle you, when they're trying to hoodwink you. You. <laughs> so look, I, I just want everybody to be absolutely clear here, okay? I want everybody to be absolutely clear. I'm trying to hoodwink you. See. Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. But that trick never worked. This time for sure. Resto! I'm Barack Obama. Wrong hat. It is said that the people are revolting. You said it. They stink on ice. No, Your Majesty, this is a very serious problem. The peasants feel you have no regard for them. What? I have no regard for the peasants. They are my people. I am their sovereign. I love them. Pull! Drifting to the left. Uh, Your Majesty, the situation is worsening. The peasants may grow violent. Violent, I hate violence. It's the one thing I detest. Violence. I abhor it. Boom! Felt like a stone. I'm Barack Obama, and I approve this message. Okay, listeners, welcome. You are tuned into yes, nostalgic radio and cars. This is not the news, <laughs> although we did a couple little play on the uh, the squattered Washington, basically, who has no business being there. But anyway, hey, it's an election year, so hopefully this guy's out of there. And uh, to all my conservative and realistic friends out there, we got a couple more little skits like that coming up. We're going to play later in the show. But anyway. This is a car show. We're going to talk about cars. Last week, I actually had quite a few uh, emails after the show, and a number of people said, hey, you know, you got to talk about cars and tell stories more often. And I guess, you know what, I might do that, you know. My special guest for the evening is Bill. Bill, the board man. What's up there, buddy? I must say that your show is one of the most likable and interesting shows here <laughs> on Tan Talk Radio Network. <laughs> I thank you for that. 
Honest plug. And thank you for your uh, Domino's Pizza guy coming by here. Hey, yeah. Down wait, on Myrtle. Why don't you uh, plug the guys at Domino's real quick? Because they were very, very generous and brought us what? Not one, but two pizzas, right? No, they large pizza, meat lovers. Oh, large pizza? All right, super. That's good. So go ahead and plug them because you know where it came from. I wasn't a little late on this deal. It's, oh, it's, Domino's down the road on Myrtle. On Myrtle? Okay, so if anybody's got the munchies just like we do, of course, I'm sitting here in the studio watching Bill chow down on his half of the pizza. And thank you for your uh, Krabby's Bar and Grill uh, coupon sh- shack. Uh, Krabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. And I've been down there, and very, very excellent. Uh, good. I'm glad you like it. That's good, 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 good. But anyway, so uh, we had a couple cool songs. We may have a couple call-ins. I'm not sure who's going to call in. But just for giggles, if you want, and we will screen the calls, but you can call in live here and uh, comment. Down here at WTAN Radio Studio, and our number down here is 727-441-3000. That's 727-441-3000. And, hey, let me tell you what I did last week. Okay, here's what What, I did. What did you do last week? Let me tell you what I did last week, Bill. I ditched out of town on Thursday and Friday because on Wednesday during our show, I mentioned that the Barrett-Jackson, the 10th anniversary of the Barrett-Jackson in Palm Beach was taking place down in the West Palm Beach area. What's Barrett-Jackson mean? Barrett-Jackson is a huge, huge, huge... Car auction is probably the premier car auction, classic and antique car auction in the country. As a matter of fact, uh, last week I did a l- I played a little interview with uh, Craig Jackson that I had done in January when I was there in Scottsdale. They had a press conference on uh, on Friday, and uh, so we all sat there, and a lot of the usual media people were there, myself included. And Craig comes out, and he basically uh, brings us everybody up to speed as to you know the. The type of the cars that are going to be there, the numbers that are going to be there, the celebrities, the charities, and a lot of the other things that are going to take place for that particular weekend, for that venue. And uh, what's interesting, too, is this particular auction, and I, and I kind of wanted to clarify a couple of things. If you go to Scottsdale, you know, and it's there's a lot of hype and hoopla and stuff like that. And really, there was an article I read a long time ago, and it was truly billed as the greatest show on earth, okay? And uh, it really is. Now, Scottsdale, the first time I went there was 1989, and I was impressed. I mean, there was close to 1,000 cars then. That's in Scottsdale, okay? So they only had the one auction, and it was started by uh, Craig's father and Tom Barrett, a real good friend of theirs, okay? Hence Barrett and Jackson, Craig's dad, Mr. Jackson, and then uh, Mr. Barrett. And both these guys, I think they came from Michigan originally, but I'm not 100% sure. But they were really into pre-war classics. So when you went to the Barrett-Jackson auction, which started in 1971, just to give you a little brief history, most of the cars that you saw there were pre-war classics, Packards, Duesenbergs, Auburns. and There were 50s classics also there, like vintage Pontiacs, vintage Cadillacs, vintage Thunderbirds, early Corvettes. Some early 60s stuff, some full-size GMs, some full-size Fords, Imperials, Chrysler 300s, and a whole host of early vintage European cars. I mean, you have some Gullwing Mercedes-Benzes, some vintage Porsches, some Jaguars, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Maseratis. Just really, really, really cool stuff. So there's a lot of high-dollar stuff there, some amazing cars. It's an amazing event, as well as a whole bunch of vintage race cars. So there's a lot of stuff there. There's stuff for everybody there. There's even vintage motorcycles that show up there occasionally. But what really blew my mind is one year I was there, there was a World War II fighter plane that they were auctioning off for around $2 million. It was a Hawkers, I believe. I mean, the wings were folded up and everything. Just an amazing item to be auctioned off. I mean, Barrett Jackson is more than a car show, more than an auction. It's truly an experience, and you definitely need to check it out. Hold on a second. I think we have a phone call. Hang on, guys. Let's see who this is. 
Could be a mystery guest. That's Peter from Legal Eagle. Peter from Legal Eagle. Okay, great. Peter's on the phone. Hey, we're going to take a moment here. And we're going to digress a little bit because I've got Peter from the Legal Eagle show. He's an attorney, and this is something else I wanted to cover uh, once before. Peter, are you there? Uh, Robert, I am here. Thanks for taking my call. Super. Okay. So let me just bring everybody up to speed real quick, and then I'll then we'll jump back into the Bear Jackson thing. But Peter is an attorney, and he's basically a personal injury lawyer. Now, occasionally you hear me make fun about lawyers, you know, ambulance chasers and stuff like that. But I will say that Peter is one of the rare, honest lawyers. And what we're going to discuss tonight, we're going to take a few minutes, we're going to talk about diminished values. And I can, I will talk about my aspect of what I do in terms of diminished values. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to let Peter introduce himself and tell you the legal aspect of diminished values. So, Peter, go ahead. The stage is set for well, you. Well, First, Robert, I want to know why you didn't order the pizza earlier so I could have some of it before I went off the air. Well, you know what? Let's. I'm going to um, put the blame on... Uh on, uh, no, I'm not going to say... Okay, I can't put the blame on anybody. All right. You know what happened? It was like a last-minute thing. Cause I, I, like, oh, yes. Okay. I've well, heard that before, like but I, no problem. Like, you know what? And, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, from my standpoint, um, as a lawyer, we represent a... a uh, a uh, significant amount of clients who've had injuries from motor vehicle accidents. And uh, every single time this comes up, and that is <clears throat> the clients want to know if uh, once they have had their vehicles repaired, uh, no matter how expertly the repairs were done, and generally they are perfectly done, so you cannot even tell, visually at least, that the car has been involved in any sort of an accident, uh, they want to know do I have any sort of cause of action uh, or additional damages due to me for the depreciated value of the car? Um, and the, the simple answer, Robert, is yes. Uh, and there's established case law in Florida, uh, many other states too, uh, but uh, specifically Florida, that allows for, for that additional damage uh, when a client is settling their case or when you go to trial and... and and, and seek it from a jury or judge. Um, and very, very simply, um, uh, in most cases, and again, this is kind of kind of uh, slides into your area. But in in most cases, uh, if you go, at least in my experience, if you go to a um, a recognized body shop or dealer, um, and the, 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 for 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 repair of the car, they input the data. Uh, of the accident in some sort of system, maybe several systems. Carfax is the one that comes to mind, or maybe others, I don't know. Um, and certainly, it's, it's now there for all time. So then when you go to sell the car, obviously people are going to know that it's been involved in an accident. But even if you, uh, the car is paid off and you, or you don't have any insurance, um, obviously you want to be honest when you go to sell the vehicle. Okay. Um, and so if you disclose that the car had an accident and you're asking $8,000, uh, I think it's pretty likely that somebody is going to say, well, I'm not going to pay the $8,000. Uh, how about I give you 7000 or six? Um, so uh, uh, that's just a simple, obvious example that where the car has depreciated uh, because of the accident, uh, you have now um, uh, an additional amount of damages. If it depreciates $1,000, then essentially my negotiations with the insurance adjuster are, hey, uh, I want an additional $1,000, even though the vehicle has been repaired. This guy is out of pocket, and he's going to have to pay for that at some point when he goes to sell his car. That's fair. Now, in terms of the legal ramifications here, okay, for 
it to make economic sense, you really need to have a car that's probably, I'd say, no less than 15 well, let's just say on the low side, $10,000 is the bare minimum because typically what happens in a car when it gets wrecked, okay, even though, like you said, it's fixed and it's done very, very well, it's not necessarily a fault of the body shops. Even if it's fixed poorly, the bottom line is the car was damaged. It wasn't damaged before. Now, this only works, this only applies if a car's never been wrecked before, okay? If the car's been beat and tattered and, and, and wadded up and balled up once or twice or three times before, then it doesn't apply. It only applies the first time you've got a really, really nice car and it was damaged. So then what happens, myself as a dealer, okay, I look at this car and the first thing I see is I see damage, okay? Well, that car is automatically right. stigmatized, okay? Once the car stigmatizes right. a damaged car, dealers usually will shy away from it. A retail dealer, for example, let's just say a franchise dealer. It could be a Ford dealership, a Chevrolet dealership, B. BMW or whatnot, or, right, your, or right, Lexus. Right. So what happens is, as a rule, there's three classifications or three categories. A car is usually average, clean, or extra clean. Okay, that's how they're broken down in the black book. Okay, and then there's also, on the other end, there's what they call rough book. When a car's been damaged, it automatically falls immediately to rough book and then behind rough book. So in other words, let's say this $10,000 car, okay, which is worth $10,000 on the retail market average, okay? Well, let's just say wholesale. That's right. easier number to work with, okay? So if it's $10,000, now the 10000 might be the average number on that car. Extra clean on that car might be 12000 okay? But rough book might be eight. Well, since the car was damaged and there's a potential liability right. as me, for me acquiring the car, me selling you the car, and something may or not be fixed right or it's not in factory condition, now I'm going to have to discount that again. So now I'm going to knock off another 20%. So now suddenly this car is around a $6,000 car. Now, my question oh, exactly. to you is... You being the attorney, you represent them. Is this something that necessarily goes to court, or is this something that often, if you lean on them just a little bit, do they generally tend to settle out of court? What could what could a prospective client expect as a result? Well, well, the prospective client expects what the law provides, and okay. that is to be made whole. Okay, and to make somebody whole means putting them back in as close to the situation uh, they were in before the accident. Um, and you're right about the stigma, by the way, uh, of a car being involved in an accident. It may be absolutely precise and perfect, the repair. And uh, to, 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 to the untrained or perhaps even the trained eye, uh, one would never know. But that's not the point. It's, it's, it's the fact that the vehicle's been in an accident that creates a stigma. And, uh, and as you say, and you, you're the expert in this field in terms of valuation, um, the, the car would, would necessarily have a, a reduced value because even though it's, it's been repaired perfectly, it's still been in a wreck. And it still has to have a value that's lower than a car that has not been in a wreck. Um, and so what we do is, uh, because uh, obviously it takes some sort of expert uh, uh, testimony, or not testimony, but, but somebody who's expert in the field, such as you, I would have to, I, what, I, what I typically do is bring in somebody like you. Um, I could argue all day long, hey, the, you know, the Kelly Blue Book, Mr. Adjuster, says that it's worth this, but uh, now it's been damaged, so I doubt it'll be worth And that doesn't mean anything. Uh, so I, I then bring an expert like you in who can say, hey, I know cars. Uh, my background, my qualifications, uh, gives me the, the necessary ammunition to, to value this car, uh, pre-accident versus post-accident. And, um, in, in my expert opinion, it's worth $2,000 less. And then I, I make that a part of my, uh, damages. Right. Now, 
how long does it typically take to kind of, let's say, litigate slash negotiate this type of a deal? I mean, this could be an ongoing thing. And the, the other thing I was going to ask you, too, is what does the law say as far as, let's say, once you're involved in an accident, and let's say from the time of the accident, how long do you have as an individual to file that claim? Is there like a like a one-year, like a two-year limitation on that? In other words, up to how long can I file this claim against the other person's insurance company who basically caused the accident? I mean, there's a time frame on it. It's, it's a two-year statute uh, okay. for property damage, a uh, four-year statute for filing a lawsuit for personal injuries. Okay. Um, and d- d- just to step back uh, to your to your first statement, um, uh, it, 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 every every case does not necessarily go into litigation, which is the filing of a lawsuit. Okay. You have four years to file the lawsuit, uh, but most cases uh, do not uh, go to trial, and most cases are not even filed uh, because as soon as the client has completed his or her treatment, uh, we then immediately prepare a uh, a unique settlement demand package. Um, which is then transmitted to the adjuster, and negotiations begin immediately. And uh, generally it takes, well, I don't know, anywhere from minutes, uh, hours, days, weeks. Okay. You know, it's got to go back and forth. Yes, if they want to step up and, and make a reasonable offer and, and the client accepts it uh, on our advice, then the case is over in, in one phone call. Um, as a general rule, it's got to go back and forth, and the, the adjuster needs additional things. So, I mean, we're not talking that long a period of time. Uh, but during that period of time, when I make my demand letter, that's a part of it. Uh, and you're entitled to general damages, special damages, special meaning out-of-pocket, um, uh, punitive damages only in certain cases where there's uh, either somebody who's driving drunk or there's intentional conduct. Uh, but general Generally, special damages are out-of-pocket damages, and those would include medical bills, loss of earnings, and uh, diminution in value of the particular vehicle. So if I know that that's going to be an issue, then as part of my demand package, I will have the necessary documentation to substantiate that damage, and I'll include it with the demand package. Okay. Now, but there is a state law that basically says that the person that that caused the accident, that their insurance company actually is obligated for the diminished value, right? Or, or am I saying that right? Or how? What's the legal? Well, yes, yes and no, Robert. There is no coverage that any of us have on our policy for diminished value. Right. What we have is bodily injury, uh, comprehensive uh, collision, uh, rental car, and. Uh, underinsured or uninsured motorist and property damage. Okay. Now, let's say you have $20,000 in coverage for property damage. That's not for your car. What's for your car is the comprehensive if some kid snaps the antenna off or collision in case your car is involved in an accident. That repairs your car. Uh, but the, the um, property damage uh, coverage is what's going to pay for the other person uh, whose vehicle has been damaged. And within that coverage is where this would fall. And frankly, even if the person has minimal coverage or the adjuster says, well, I'm not going to pay that, uh, uh, I'm just not going to pay the 2000 you're asking for in, in diminished value, uh, we'll pay for your client's car, and that's four grand. Um, I'll say, well, hey, fine, I don't care. <laughs> it really doesn't make any difference to me what uh, coverage provision it falls under. That's up to you. And if you don't want to pay me for it under that coverage, that's fine. Then if this case has to be filed and served 
and has to be litigated and go to trial, then that's going to be a damage. And I, I don't really care where it comes from. It can come from bodily injury, as far as I'm concerned. But it's a damage, and it's something the insurance company is obligated to pay for as the insurer of the person who caused the accident. Do you know offhand what the percentage of actual diminished value claims are paid in the state of Florida? I mean, there's an awful lot of accidents. I don't know what the what the statistics are offhand, but I know this diminished value uh, issue. The first one I wrote was probably about 10, 15 years ago, and uh, I was at, and it was actually at the request of a body shop. And at that point in time, I really wasn't aware of it. Okay, I know back in the old days they had a little thing called joint and several liability and some of that other issue, some of that other stuff, but um, the the diminished value thing has just slowly over the last 10 15 years that I know of become a real big business in a way you know uh, but in in all honesty really if you think about it if I've got a newer model car or if I have a classic or an antique and my car sustains damage as a result right. of somebody else okay it is now not what it was before okay so hence it's going to lose it's going to automatically lose value even if you fix the car and you make it right the problem is, well, is right. the car still has had damage and it's a blemished stigmatized vehicle now with the classics and antiques there's a little bit of a it's a little bit more involved but on your newer cars let's say you got your basic uh, 3 series $20,000 BMW uh you know that car is going to go through the system okay once the warranty's over with and everything like that that car is going to wind up in the used car market so hence this car winds up in the used car market but it's been damaged if you don't sit there and collect on the claim at the time of the accident and let's say you let it slide okay and let's right. just say it's a 2011 car or 2012 and right. if I don't collect on the car right now, when the car has, when it's still at its maximum value, and let's say the damage, the diminished value loss could be as much as $5,000 on a car like that. If you go to, don't do anything about it, and you go to sell that car three years down the road, that basically diminishes to a smaller number. So then that diminished value at that point in time now goes from well, 5000 down to 1000 well, or, or, Robert, uh, your claim evaporates altogether. If you've already settled the case and okay. you've signed a release, uh, you're done. Uh, but to go back to what you were saying a minute ago, in terms of percentages, I don't have that uh, okay. uh, information. I have no idea what the percentages are. Uh, but as you point out uh, correctly, uh, it, it, it's in our practice at least, and I've been doing this 33 years, it does come up more often in cases involving antiques or vintage cars or some sort of specialty vehicle uh, or your high-end cars. Uh, the simple answer is, yes, you're entitled to it as an element of your damages in every case, regardless of how um, um, uh, expensive the vehicle is or inexpensive. But it also boils down to a, you know, a dollars and cents issue, uh, because you have to bring in an expert uh, such as you uh, to examine the car and do an appraisal and, and work it up. And, and there are, you know, there's a charge for that, and rightfully so. But in a in a in a low dollar case, if a car is only worth a couple a couple of thousand dollars, obviously it's not going to pay to do this whole workup because either the diminished value isn't going to be worth more than you know a few bucks, or because it's going to cost more to bring the expert in than the, the, the actual diminished value. Right. So yeah, it is limited to a small uh, segment of of, uh, of the vehicles that, that we see, and but for those. Obviously, we, we, we offer that as an alternative uh, uh, measure of damages. Uh, tell us a little bit about your law firm. Mention who you are and, and who you work for, and if people want to get a hold of you, because I'm sure we have some listeners here. So why don't you go ahead and plug yourself a little bit real quick. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. Real quick, I, uh, I, I've uh, been in practice for 33 years, uh, the first 26 of which I spent uh, representing insurance companies and their insureds uh, doing what's called insurance defense. I did that in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm admitted to the bar in both California and Florida. I keep both uh, licenses in both jurisdictions active because I represent clients in both jurisdictions. After moving back to um, Tampa, where I grew up about five years ago, I became admitted to practice in Florida and began representing exclusively um, injured people, uh, victims of accidents, uh, which I find so much more gratifying and and, uh, and, and enjoyable. Um, and we, our, our law firm is the George Brezina Law Firm. We're in Brandon, just a few minutes outside Tampa. Uh, we have three lawyers with combined experience of over 70 years. Um, Marla Chabernet does uh, our litigation as well as um, uh, state planning, wills, uh, and probate. Um, George Brezina does litigation, and uh, I head the uh, litigation and trial department uh, and am the primary lead trial counsel for uh, our cases. Um, most of the cases uh, fall into uh, well, they're all all injury cases. We handle some other uh, off the beaten trail type cases within the field of civil litigation, uh, but for the most part, they're injury cases, which are either vehicle related or pedestrian, uh, consumer products um, known as product liability, uh, and. Um, premises liability, which would include slip and fall, uh, sexual assault uh, in a parking garage or a uh, hotel, uh, and the issues involved there are generally lack of security or, or inadequate security uh, or lighting or similar issues. Um, but that, in a nutshell, that's what we practice. Okay, and if they want to get a hold of you, how do they go about doing that? Uh, our telephone number is 813-870-0500. And I appreciate you asking me that. Sure. And then the name of the law firm, again? The law firm is the George Brezina Law Firm. And you guys are located where? We are at 1218 Oakfield Drive in Brandon. We're about a mile east of the uh, 75 freeway, um, right off Brandon Boulevard. Oh, you're or not the 60. Yeah, you're near the mall then, aren't you? We are just east of the uh, Westfield or Brandon Mall, yeah. Uh, and as I've told, uh, uh, as I've said on my uh, radio show, if uh, clients cannot get to us, and, and most can't, uh, it's, it's been our practice uh, for the longest time that we will go to the client. Um, if it can't be done by email or fax or mail, uh, then we go out and meet the client wherever the client lives. And that's just a service we provide because it's difficult for people to get to uh, to the to the office, no matter where it is. It's difficult for me. As I was talking with uh, Dr. Um, um, LaFlame uh, earlier on my show, before you came on the air, it's difficult for folks to get to medical offices uh, for treatment. So I, I'm, I'm certainly acutely aware of how difficult it is for people to get to a lawyer's office, and we, we, we go see uh, clients wherever they're located. That's never a problem. Okay. Hey, Bill, just, uh, just for, for your info, Bill just says... Uh, Something about you got a catch line phrase here. You want to go ahead and pitch where, that where, the, where their person where their personal injury is personal or something like that. I forget. How's that go? Yeah. Oh, it's uh, you know I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I cut that spot when we first went on the air about seven seven uh, months ago, 
and uh, I, I know it's, it's essentially we, we, you know, we care about our clients' uh, cases and their lives uh, because uh, to us, personal injury is personal. Yeah, and that's what it is. I mean, something's got to distinguish uh, one lawyer and one law firm from another. Uh, what I bring to the table is uh, three decades of, uh, of uh, litigation and trial, a successful negotiation and trial experience, uh, but also that on the other side. So I know both sides of our business. And, um, uh, you, you know, you're in the personal service business. It's, mm. uh, it's not like just going into Walmart and buying a product and leaving. Um, so we, you know, there's a lot of hand-holding, and, and uh, people are turning to us uh, for some very critical decisions and, and, and work uh, when they're, unfortunately, at, uh, at their very worst uh, because of the injuries they sustain at the hands of another or business. Well, our thing is obviously about the diminished value. So it's, it would be right. f- a fair statement to say that anybody that's got a newer model car of any kind of significant value that there's definitely a diminished value claim to, as a result of that accident. Is that a fair statement? Yes. And they need to get a hold of you, and they need to get a hold of me so that we can sit there and work together and help these people out and make sure that they're made whole again, and I think that would be a fair statement. So, uh, at any yeah, rate, I mean, obviously they can get a hold of any lawyer they want, but uh, that's something we do, and we've been pretty good at it, and um, uh, that's just part and parcel of our representation. Okay. Bill's, and I, I really appreciate you um, having me on. Sure. Hey, Bill's going to play this little clip for us. Go ahead, Bill. Roll because it. to us, your personal injury is personal. <laughs> there oh, you go. She found thank it. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Billy. I, <laughs> I can play the whole Billy thing. I can play the whole thing if you want. I was working with Billy tonight, and uh, it was very cool working with him. And, and because you played my, my spot, I won't require that you uh, save a piece of that pizza for me for next time. <laughs> okay. That's a concession. <laughs> thank you for having me on. Have sure. a good show, and okay. uh, I'll uh, see you soon. Okay, and if you need to get a hold of a good, honest lawyer, call my friend Peter. Go ahead and play the clip real quick. Hold on, let me, I gotta switch back to there. Yeah, switch back. And, and here it is. When injuries happen, you need the experienced trial lawyers of the George Brezina Law Firm in Tampa. We fight to recover the money you deserve. Consultations are always free. 813-870-0500 or visit accidentsareus.com. Accidentsareus.com. Because to us, your personal injury is personal. Pretty good. He's got a good voice. Peter, you still there? Now that I'm listening to it, it sounds like I was on Xanax and oxycodone when I cut that spot. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what? You got. We were just talking about this earlier. You got a great radio voice, and you did that commercial. That's a great commercial. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that, Robert. All right, you guys enjoy your show. Billy, thank you for your help tonight. And uh, Robert, you and I will talk soon. Okay, very good. I'll just jump back into this uh, the diminished value thing real quick while we're, while it's still fresh on my mind. But, yeah, if you've got a classic car, now keep in mind, you know, if you've got a bucket of bolts and you slap the thing together and you kind of basically brought it back from the dead, it's real hard to prove a diminished value claim in, in a sense. Now, if you've got a restored car with great paperwork, great documentation, and that car, let's just say the car's a $50,000 car, and somebody runs into the side of the car, and you've got pretty much all original sheet metal on that car. You've got thoroughbred components on that car. You've got NOS parts. You know, NOS meaning new old stock. Thoroughbred meaning, you know, all original parts. They could be new. They could be used. And, of course, you've heard me use the term OEM, which is original equipment, parts on these cars. Or then if that car was damaged, it could 
substantially be hurt and wounded and is going to be substantially worth a lot less money. So, for example, that $50,000 car, which was really, really a nice original Survivor, for example, or nicely put together, a nicely restored car, is now it could lose as much as 50%. So the whole idea behind diminished value reports and the pursuance of a diminished value is to basically have you made whole. So in other words, at the time of the accident, you know, within, let's say six months to a year, you know, you got two years to, to really make a, an issue out of it, but, uh, and then past two years on uh, the personal injury is four years, but on personal property is two years. Cause I recently did a, uh, a diminished value report on a car that was about it within a year or a year prior. And uh, it still held up in court. The only problem was it was a little her fly in the ointment, and that was that the card had some damage in between the time that it was wrecked the first time and then the second time. So that's what we were talking about before. If a car has been wrecked the first time, okay, then you've got a good claim. All we're asking or all the attorney would be asking or all you are asking is to be made whole. So now your $50,000 car is no longer worth $50,000. If the car's put back together, it may only be worth thirty five or 40000 Collect the cars, like I said, and the guys that buy those cars are kind of fussy, and particularly if you've got a clean original piece. So now all you're asking is for the difference to recover the difference, which would be $15,000, and then you, you've got your, your $50,000 status back. However, when you go to sell the car, you're still going to have to deal with that, but down the road, you know, since you received the $15,000, you've already been offset. If the car was, uh, for example, let's say you have an accident in the car, and the car's damaged, and then you get the car fixed, and let's say, for example, you're not on top of it about getting the car fixed or going after an insurance company right away. And let's say you let a year go by. And let's say the car is involved in another small fender bender in a similar location. So let's say the car had sustained front end damage at a wreck. And then the car was tapped in the nose one more time since then. Now you've got an issue there because the car was hit not only once, but twice. I'm going to digress here for a second. A lot of people refer to car faxes. There's a number of reporting agencies that get a hold of the information once a police report's been filed, and then an insurance report, it goes to these these major reporting companies. Carfax is the best known. The problem with Carfax is, is not everything gets entered. Not all the data is entered. And the other thing that uh, uh, becomes an issue is that when these cars are damaged, okay, and let's say, for example, you're self-insured and you take it to a body shop, and even though you have a police report, not all police reports are picked up by reporting agencies. Most of the insurance claims are picked up by the reporting agencies. However, if your car is self-insured or if you pay for the repair out of your pocket, that may or may not show up through a reporting agency. So consequently, there's no record that that car was ever damaged, okay? So now this car just kind of goes through the system, so to speak, and the car ultimately gets sold. And if most dealerships and most prospective buyers, if they pull up a Carfax, there's no reference that this car was ever damaged. So you're going to just assume that this car has a clean bill of health. Well, that may or may not necessarily be the case. So there are cars and there are circumstances where these vehicles will slip through the cracks, okay? Most notably... Uh, rental car agencies, for example, Hertz, Avis, and, and Enterprise, for example, okay? A lot of those rental car agencies are self-insured, okay, as far as the cars. I mean, they have, obviously, you know, liability insurance, and they have uh, damage that basically pays for the other guy, but their cars themselves are not insured. That's a tremendous cost. So... If you guys recall, the last time that somebody may have rented a car, let's say at an airport or, uh, you know, in town, it's always advisable to buy the extra insurance, okay? And that's one of the products that they try to sell you, and it's sometimes $20 a day. Okay, well, that basically covers the cost of the car and the event of damage, okay? It covers you when you hit somebody, and obviously, if you, depending on the, the coverage that you buy, it covers the vehicle itself. However, these cars are not insured by the uh, rental car agencies. So, for the most part, these cars will wind up at salvage auctions. And since I used to be in the salvage business, and I used to go to salvage auctions, okay, 
these rental cars would be there available for the average dealer who was allowed into these uh, salvage auctions. You had to be a dealer, okay? And we could buy these cars. Now, I used to go in there and buy them for parts, but there's a lot of people who would buy them if they had, I wouldn't say rear severe damage, but let's say, for example, the cars weren't totaled, but that's not always the case too. But there was, uh, what would happen is, let's just say it might've been a Ford Focus or it might've been a Chevrolet Malibu or something like that. You know, somebody that's in the body shop or building business may buy two or three cars and between two or three cars, build one car. But since the cars have a clean bill of health because they're sold with a title and on the title it doesn't state salvage title okay and it doesn't say um there's one other term i can't remember there's salvage title and then there's uh well they'll, they'll get a cd which is a certificate of destruction okay but if you buy one vehicle that's got a cd a certificate of destruction you buy another car that's got a salvage title uh, and then you have another car that's got a clean salvage okay because it didn't quite sustain the same amount of damage then what happens is somebody will buy those cars put all three of the cars together and make one car and use the title and then the car might get washed through another state that's another big issue that used to happen a lot in fact, when there's typically there's storms, let's say, for example, we have these hurricanes that go through or there's flooding. A lot of those cars are picked up. Let's say that, for example, they're rental car agencies. Those cars are self-insured. So those cars will not be turned in to insurance companies. Basically, the rental car agencies eat those car themselves. OK, and then what they do is they'll just sell it whatever they get for it. That just goes into their their big kitty, so to speak. And um, so you got to be careful about that. So but getting back to the cars that you and I and everybody else drive on a day-to-day basis. For example, if you've got that $50,000 collectible Z28 or Boss 302 Mustang or you got a Chevelle or a Goat or a uh, Roadrunner or something like that, if that car is damaged, okay, and it's a really, really nice car, you know, you are entitled to a insurance company pay to offset the damage that that car would sustain in terms of value, okay? And then also, for example, if you have a newer car, and we'll go back to, let's say you got a 3 Series BMW, or you're driving a Lexus, or you're driving a, you know, a Ford Explorer or, or a Chevrolet of some kind, you know, if the car's a $20,000, $25,000 to $30,000 car or more, okay, and those cars get damaged, they, you know, we as dealers, okay, when we look at these cars, even though they've been fixed, cars that have damage, we shy away from it. I mean, we open the doors, we open the trunk lids, we open, you know, you look underneath the car, and if it looks like the car's been fixed or, or welded on, you know, because the cars from the factory have certain spot wells, okay, that are very difficult to replicate at a body shop, okay? There's seam sealer, which is applied to the cars, where all the all the uh, body parts are basically welded together. Those can vary, Okay. Um, it's hard to duplicate a car rolling down the assembly line. And keep in mind, a lot of these new cars are unibody cars, unibody construction. Okay. And there's always one, when you look at the estimate, if I look at the estimate on the car and it says four hours to pull, that means the car was on a frame machine and anything was pulled, it generally refers to a structural issue with the car. Anytime you have a structural issue with the car, that means that the car has had some serious damage. That immediately raises red flags. Dealers do not want those cars on their lots. So when the cars get fixed, they will generally be wholesale. So that's when those cars will wind up in an auction with a no-name dealer for the most part. But they could wind up with a franchise dealer in another state. So you don't know. Okay, now generally they tr- when they buy these cars at the auction, they don't have time to run a Carfax. Although now they've got these little devices that they walk around with, and all they do is they punch in the serial number, and basically the reporting agencies, whichever ones they apply to, will spit out the information if it's accessible, and a lot of the franchise dealers will just skip over those cars. I have, I have a question. You do? Okay. So if somebody says... Just yeah. say, show me the Carfax. It's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily true. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. I appreciate that. That was clever. I wanted to play that. You wanted to play that? Okay. Um, 
but at any rate, so you, you, you have to be, do your due diligence and you have to do your homework and stuff and make sure that whatever you buy is a decent car. I mean, you have to really look, have it looked over by an expert, particularly if you're buying a used car. Now, again, if you're buying from a franchise dealer, chances are, you, I'd say it's 90% that you're going to get a good car. But if you buy from an independent dealer, chances are those guys go where the deals are, they go where the margins are, and you could be getting potluck. Okay. So at any rate, that's my dissertation on uh, diminished values. If you have any questions, feel free to give me a call at Golf Motorsports. My name is Robert, your show host, 727 541 1741. 727 541 1741. What are you saying? Song? Uh, yeah, I don't know. How are we doing on time? Yeah, go ahead and play a song real quick. Listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Grabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, and nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Grabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt 
at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. I'm Barack Obama. Baby, baby, I'm your sweet pet. I'm just your personal marionette. Wind me up and let me go. Don't you know I'm a one-man show? Raise your finger and I'll perform. I crack a jack till the crack of dawn. Now if you want to see me do my thing, but baby, pull my string. Yeah. I'm Barack Obama. Bag of tricks. Oh, play Obama bag of tricks. Yeah, an Obama bag of tricks. Here we go. Oh, Obama bag of tricks. Your editing is excellent. I must say, you are you are you're doing quite well. <laughs> Whenever he gets in the fix, he reaches into his bag of tricks. Those are good. Are like, we are we live? Yeah, we're live. Oh man, you're supposed to tell me the mic's on. Here. We're live, baby. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, those are uh, uh, for our for the for the squatter in the White House up on Pennsylvania Avenue, and we need to do everything we can to keep him from getting back in there. Well, right? like like I said, when I when you first came in here doing your thing and you're back there editing, I was like, man, this guy's never gonna get this. He's never gonna get it. You got it. You you got it. You, you did good. Okay. Well, good. Anyway, hey, so I get an A plus. Let's go back to the car thing real quick. Where did I leave off at? I was talking about the uh, the diminished values a little bit so well if you guys need any more information we'll talk about that on another show i want to get back to the auction though because we were down there at bear jackson and there's a couple of things i wanted to mention about the miami show and bear jackson which was um as i started alluding to before the las vegas show the scottsdale show and the uh, southern california show that bear jackson does that auction they really have some high-end cars out there it's a completely different market than what we have the scottsdale auction you if you've never been there you need to go there one time and just for the whole week, you got to go there for the whole week because it's not just Bear Jackson. It's Russo and Steel. It's Bonhams. It's Gooding. It's RM. It's Silver. I mean, it's just it's just a whole experience that whole week long. Just nothing but car people that just descend in that whole area. But the but that auction, Bear Jackson. When you see that auction, it's it's every bit as everything you see on TV. But anyway, going back to the Miami show. Okay, now this is their tenth year, and the one thing that a lot of people say when they when they go to that particular auction, it's not anything like the Scottsdale show. And the reason being is because that auction down there has a different market. Okay, keep in mind they're in the West Palm Beach area, so that's basically the Miami area, Gold Coast area. That area down there is uh, very touristy and you have a lot of people that are from up north that live down here they're on they're seasonal people okay and the people on in Florida tend to drive their cars a lot down there okay so the people that come down there 
you have a huge cross-section of people and uh, that come down, a lot of tourists, and a lot of these people are spontaneous buyers. They're not necessarily high-end, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand dollar car people. They're forty, fifty thousand dollar car people. Okay, so if you watch the auction, a lot of the cars that they have down there are the twenty-five to fifty thousand dollar cars. That market, that those cars and that price range seem to work very, very well for them. Okay, now unlike Scottsdale, which has basically thirteen hundred cars, twelve to thirteen hundred cars run through their auction, the Bear Jackson auction in West Palm Beach has about four hundred and fifty to five hundred cars. Now I had the good fortune of talking to Craig Jackson at length, and he was really gracious, and he took me up on the stage. Okay, so I could see all the computers, I could see everything that was going on, and I got to tell you, they have a first run operation, and there's a lot of checks and balances. Okay, so contrary to a lot of the stuff that you might hear in the auction world, Barrett-Jackson runs a pretty tight ship, okay? Those guys are very professional about what they do, and of course, they're probably the leaders in the industry, okay, in terms of auctions, and they do very, very well, and they're, it's, they're very, very customer and service oriented. But back to the cars. The other thing that they have down there is not only classic, but they'll have a lot of Mercedes SLs. They'll have a lot of Jag SJSs. They'll have uh, Porsches down there, 911 stuff. So they'll have basically what we would call contemporary classics. So if you get a chance, check out the website. If it comes back to West Palm Beach, which it will next year, you need to go down there and just check it out. But you also need to go to the one that's in Scottsdale, just so you can get an idea of what the best of the best has to offer. And my hat's off to Craig Jackson, Steve Davis, and Gary Bennett over there because they run a very, very, very good auction. And of course, you all know that I worked with uh, Mike Flynn at Hollywood Car Auctions. He did an excellent job. Chris Sonis did a great job with uh, Crown Collector Car Auctions. And these guys do a very good job. Did you and, know Did you know your Festivals of Speed is coming back to Lake County? It's going to be up there at the Mission Inn up there at Howie and the Hills. That's right. But the big one is going to be in December at the uh, Ritz-Carlton in Orlando. And Mike Flynn's involved with that. So Festivals of Speed is going to have, you know, it's a lifestyle show. So they're going to have the cars, boats, uh, they have uh, motorcycles, airplanes, all kinds of stuff going on at the air park or at the jet port, rather. And then they're going to have the big hoopla over there. They're going to have a concourse this year. They're going to have another auction there this year. Or no, I shouldn't say another, the auction this year. So this that should be a really exciting event. That's going to be a big event here in Florida, the Festivals of Speed at the Ritz-Carlton. The other ones that they had like two weeks ago, they had in St. Pete and the one at the Mission Inn. I just did a commercial for the Mission Inn. Did you? Those are good shows. They really are. But they're nothing like the one that's going to take place at the Ritz-Carlton. So put that on your uh, list of things to do. Okay. But as far as your bucket list, you got to go to Scottsdale. Everybody's got to do that once. Also, something else that takes place, and you hear me talking about this from time to time, is SEMA. You got to go to SEMA. Okay. So if I had to peg a number of events to take place, you need to go to Amelia Island, Pebble Beach, and the Monterey Historic Races. Scottsdale, SEMA, you got to go to that. And of course, if you ever get a chance you got to go to the Detroit Auto Show, too. That's supposed to be really, really cool. Anyway, next week, stay tuned. My guest next week is going to be Bob Lutz. I'm really looking forward to having him on the show because we're going to talk about some really interesting stuff. There will be a lot of dialogue next week because I really want to talk about a lot of issues and cover a lot of the stuff with the uh, U.S. car market with him. But anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Stay safe, drive carefully, love your family, and we will be back next week. Hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Hope I didn't ramble on too much and babble. But I guess it was okay. You you did a great job. I did an okay job? I think so. It was I, fantastic. You know what? I think it's time to eat pizza now. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs>